Welcome to Compared to Who, the podcast to help you stop comparing and start living. I'm your host, Heather Creekmore. I hate to admit this, but I used to secretly obsess over my appearance. I thought it was part of my job as a woman to always look better. I tried every diet, exercise program, spa treatments, and makeup, but never felt like I could be good enough. Maybe you can relate. But God, in His grace, He showed me a way out, and I want to give you all the tools you need to break free, too. If you've ever spent too much time stressing over your looks, I get it. I hope you'll keep listening and find the same freedom I have. Here are three other things you need to know about me. I'm a minivan-driving mom of four elementary-age kids. I'm author of the book Compared to Who and a blogger at ComparedToWho.me. And you just may have seen my epic bake fail on Netflix. If you've ever struggled with comparison or body image issues, Compared to Who is the show for you. I hope you enjoy today's episode and tell a friend about it. Hello and welcome to episode two of Compared to Who the Podcast. I am so glad that you're here today. Today we're going to talk about an interesting topic, one that you probably haven't heard a whole lot about. It's called body image idolatry. And it's something I've been talking about for a number of years and have been really blessed by the number of women who have reached out to me and said, Heather, I never heard of body image idolatry before I started reading your blog or before I read your book. And wow, that was my problem. I had tried all the Christian ways out of my body image issues and none of them worked. But wow, this body image idolatry concept, it changed my life. And so that's what we're going to talk about today. And I pray that it will bring change into your life as well. You see, my heart is to see you come out of body image struggles. If you, like me, I shared my story in episode one, if you didn't get to hear that. But if you, like me, have struggled with your body image since you were in elementary school, maybe later than that. But if you've struggled for any number of years, friend, I want you to know that there is a way to be free. And that's where we're going to start today. So... (laughs) What exactly is body image idolatry? It kind of sounds like a funky term, doesn't it? Well, let me explain it to you by first telling you what I thought idolatry was. Okay, so I was raised in a Christian home, and I thought idolatry had a lot to do with statues. I thought that we didn't have any gold Buddhas or we didn't even have a garden gnome. You guys, that's how serious my parents were about idolatry. Uh, We would go in the Chinese restaurant. If there was a calf or anything in there, Buddha, we were told not to look at it so we wouldn't be idolaters. So growing up, I knew that idolatry had to do with statues. And as long as you didn't have any statues in your house, then you were fine, or so I thought. But over the last decade, and some of you are going to be familiar with this gentleman, but I started reading and listening to Dr. Tim Keller from Presbyterian Church in New York City called Redeemer Presbyterian Church. And he's written a number of books and there's lots of his sermons and podcasts available online and I highly recommend you check them out. But he introduced me to a concept of modern day idolatry that I had never before heard of. Now, like I mentioned, I was raised in the church, you guys. I went to Christian school starting in seventh grade. I went to a Christian college. I went to Christian graduate school, friends. But modern day idolatry, the fact that I could be a idolater right here in 2018 boy that was that was a new concept for me and so maybe it's the same for you so what is body image idolatry 
Well, I think in order to define it, we first need to break down what an idol really is. And there's several different ways you can approach this. One way that Dr. Keller approaches it is an idol is anything that we look to to save us other than Jesus. When we have a body image idol or a beauty idol, we are looking for the way we look to save us. Now, I might lose some of you right there. So before you hit stop, let me explain that in a way that's just real nuts and bolts. Because I would have never told you when I was in the thick of my body image struggles that I wanted my body image to save me. That sounds absolutely ridiculous. I would not have said that. I wanted my body to be hot so I would feel better about myself. (laughs) That's what I wanted. I wasn't looking for it to save me. But let me flesh that out in a little different terms. Why did I really want to look better? Why did I want to change my outside appearance? Well, the truth is, Somewhere deep in my heart, I believed, especially during my single years, that if I looked different on the outside, then people would love me. I thought I would find a man. I thought maybe people would pay more attention to me and then I would feel better. I thought I would have more love. Maybe once I got married, I thought, you know what? My husband would love me more if I looked more like those models. I just believed the lie that looking different on the outside would get me more of the things that I craved. Now, I don't mean things in a materialistic way. I mean things like joy and peace and freedom. Let me explain that. You see, joy, I thought that thin people were happy. (laughs) I thought if I had a great body, I would be able to stop worrying about what I ate and exercising so much, and I would feel joyful. I thought I would feel peaceful, that I could finally just relax. Like if I could just get in that size or get that number on the scale to read what I wanted it to read, I could just chill. I would be at peace. I thought that I would feel free because I believed that once I hit all of those goals for my appearance, then I wouldn't have to worry about those goals for my appearance anymore. In fact, I did what I like to call, I I bought the biggest loser definition of salvation. So let me explain this to you. A lot of you have probably seen the television show, used to be on NBC for years and years, called The Biggest Loser. If you've never seen the show, I'll explain to you the concept. The concept is that really overweight people go to this ranch and they spend some time with personal trainers and they do a lot of exercising and a lot of eating right or (laughs) minimal eating, shall we say. And then at the end of the show, they lose a lot of weight. Now, on the surface, it may not look like a salvation message to you, but let me show you how it is. You see, at the beginning of the show, the first or second episode, we see the contestants in their homes. And a lot of these people are really overweight and they can't even leave their houses. They can't work. They can't participate in activities with their kids. They're miserable. And I would say the way it's portrayed on the show, they're in their own sort of hell, right? And so what happens is the contestants go from hell to the ranch, the Biggest Loser Ranch, where they meet someone who is able to transform them. It used to be Bob Harper and Jillian Michael, and there's been lots of other hot body trainers on there over the years. 
they would come and they would meet the trainer and the trainer would set them on a new path. In fact, it was interesting. If you ever watched the show, it was interesting how often the relationship with the trainer kind of exceeded just diet and exercise stuff. They would talk about their families, their upbringing, hurts that they had held on to for a long time, unforgiveness in some cases. So the relationship with the trainer was always a little bit deeper, very intimate for for what you know one would consider a normal relationship with uh, with a personal trainer or a dietitian even. But what we saw was that person going from hell to having this real authentic relationship with a trainer who would transform them. I would like to use a different word for that trainer who transforms because someone who transforms you, someone who takes you out of hell and at the end of the season to a better place, and we'll talk about that in a second, but I would call that person a savior. You see, what I think happened on The Biggest Loser is those contestants went from hell They went to the ranch and they met their savior. They met Bob or Jillian who transformed them. And then at the end of the season, what did we see? Well, we saw them, what they were on the scale, looking at numbers that they were finally happy with. They would go run marathons because they were in such good shape. They would be able to go shopping at the end. The last show, they would always be wearing some cute outfit or maybe a stylist came and gave them a makeover. And they, they looked completely different. And the lie that we're told through that show is that those lives were completely transformed by what Bob and Jillian or whomever the trainer of the season was by what they did for them. It's a salvation story. We saw them go from hell. They met a savior and they were transformed into a saved state. It's the same salvation story that a lot of these success stories give us. In fact, I remember for years and years just thinking, I'd like to be in the crowd at one of those shows where they pick people out of the crowd to do a makeover because I thought, wow, then I would feel different. If I could just be picked out and have them redo my makeup and redo my hair and dress me stylishly, ah, then then I would be saved. You guys, it's it's all a false salvation. It's all a body image idol, a beauty idol. And it's hard to see when it's in our own lives. But for me, it was there. For me, if I'm honest with myself, it was a big distraction. I spent a lot of time and energy working on transforming myself. And it really distracted me from God's purpose for my life. I was really, I would say, semi-obsessed with changing what I looked like. I worried a lot about my calories and was I eating the right foods and was I on the right diet and was there a better diet that I should be on and was I doing the right exercises and were there better exercises that I should be doing? Especially as I got into teaching fitness classes, the struggle didn't stop there, friends. I explained in episode one, I thought that once I was a fitness instructor, I would be free because I had the quote unquote fitness instructor body, but it didn't happen that way. In fact, in some ways, the pressure just got more intense. I needed to look even better. I needed to be even more shredded, more fit. You guys, beauty and body image idolatry is all over our culture, friends. I mean, you can see it at the gym. You can see it on TV. You can see it in your Instagram feed. In fact, friends, some of the Christian fitness people that you follow are probably feeding you this message of body image idolatry, and they don't even know it. So I'm not saying that to be down on them, but we can spend a lot of time and energy and focus on trying to make our outsides look better. 
And what we miss in that is the way that we're substituting fixing our outsides for a real savior. And so once you recognize that body image and beauty has become an idol in your life, there's something that has to be done because idolatry is sin. Okay, now don't press stop right here, please. I think it's awesome news that body image idolatry exists and that body image idolatry is sin. Seriously, I'm not joking about that. I think that that is the best news that you are going to hear all day if it's never been broken down for you like that. And I'm going to tell you why in just a second. Body image been bogging you down for too long. It's time to get free, my friend. Go to comparejahoo.me. Take your free body image awareness quiz. You will learn amazing things. You'll get your results right away. And I think you'll have fun too, because I mean, who doesn't love to take quizzes? Go to comparejahoo.me. There's lots of great resources on that site articles about body image and comparison, and how you can find freedom through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Check it out today, right after this episode, of course. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org slash impact. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Okay, so I promised before the break that I would tell you why it's such awesome news that body image idolatry is sin. Okay, I know you're thinking I'm a little crazy, but follow me here. So picture yourself with a big, heavy bag. And in that bag are your body image issues, okay? And you've got this bag you've got to carry around. I See, I I talked about this in episode one, but I used to think that body image issues were normal girl issues, that every woman I knew had body image issues, and because I was born female, I was going to have body image issues for the rest of my life. It was just something I was going to have to deal with because I was a woman. And so I had this bag, and in my bag was my body image issues, and yeah, it was heavy, and it kind of stunk to carry it around, but woe is me. I'm just going to carry my body image issues around with me forever, okay? So picture yourself holding this big, heavy bag of your body image issues. Some people will say, you just need to love your body, and then you can lose the bag. But here's what happened for me. I look at myself in the mirror and I'm still holding that big bag and I can't take that bag of body image issues off me looking in the mirror saying, oh, I love you thighs. Oh, 
Wow, Heather, you look good today. Nope, my bag stays with me. I've got to carry that bag around with me. And, and some people will say you just start ignoring the bag or you just you ignore what's in the bag and you focus on what you like about yourself. And so you stare in that mirror and you're like, you know what? I've got horrible thighs, but I've got awesome hair. So I'm just going to stand here and stare at my beautiful hair and I'm going to forget that I've got this big heavy bag of body image issues and I'm just going to pretend that it's all about my hair and I'm awesome. You guys, I think that's poppycock. But anyway, um, so you've got your big heavy bag of body image issues, and I'm getting to the good news. Trust me, I am. If you can call your body image issues sin, if you can recognize that at the root of your body image issues is a body image or a beauty idolatry issue, guess what you can do, friend? You can take off that bag. You can take that bag as heavy as it is, and you can throw that bag across the room. In fact, scripture promises us that God puts our sins as far away from us as the east is from the west. So you can throw that bag all the way around the planet. You do not have to carry around that bag of quote unquote normal girl issues anymore. You can be free. And what's awesome is it doesn't take that much to be free. Like you don't have to stare in the mirror and decide you love your thighs if they're, you know, your problem area or whatever you want to say. I mean, I hate the word problem area, but but whatever your body hang up is, you don't have to decide to love it in order to be free. In fact, I get so frustrated, you guys, because I feel like so many very well-intentioned people out there encourage those of us who struggle with body image to just, you know, just start loving ourselves and just, you know, forget about our struggle. Well, those of us who struggle know that if we could just forget about it, we would have decades ago, right? It's not that easy. I remember growing up, you know, going to Christian conferences or youth rallies or whatever, and and we do kind of like the pep talk about how awesome we all are and how we're King's kids and God made us all beautiful. And, you know, and I would leave feeling like, okay, I feel better. You know, God made me beautiful. Great. I'm going to go out in the world and God made me beautiful. I am set. And that would last for, I don't know, like 30 six hours. And then I'd wake up one morning and be like, eh, I don't feel that anymore. But here's the truth, you guys. If we can recognize that our body image struggles are actually body image idolatry struggles, we can find a way out. And that way out is confession because that's the only cure for sin. You see, 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You guys, there's a cure for your body image issues and it's confession. How does that look? Well, here's where you start. First of all, you might have to start with just saying, God, do I have this? You know, this might be a completely new concept for you where you're like, I didn't even know about body image idolatry. I didn't know that was a thing until like 15 minutes ago. So it might for you look like you spending some time with God and just praying, Hey, Father, have I made body image an idol? Have I made beauty an idol in my life? And just pray and give yourself some quiet space to listen because I know God will be faithful to point it out. You see, sin always separates us, but when we go to him and confess our sin, ah, boy, we're always reunited again. Some of you have been listening to me for the last 15 minutes or so, and you're like, yep, totally me. 
I'm guilty, body image is my idol, I thought that if I just lost that 15 pounds, I would be saved. I have thought if I could become a fitness instructor, then I would be free from body image issues. I have had the thought if I could just get married, then I would be free from body image issues. I've had all these thoughts about what would make me free and peaceful and happy and joyful, and they don't all end with Jesus. I thought my body image issues resolving could do that for me. And I thought in order to fix them, I needed to change the way I looked. I didn't see this was a hard issue. If that's you today, if that's resonating with you, then I think you do a different kind of prayer. Then I think you sit with the Father and you say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for the ways that I have made body image of beauty an idol. Forgive me for the ways that I have looked to looking better to save me to give me things that only you can give me, to give me life and joy that can be found only in you. Lord, forgive me for that today and help me to go forward and live for you, not for this idol. So let me encourage you to pray that prayer today if that's resonated with you. You see, the good news about recognizing the body image idol is there's a cure. You can be free. Now, I'll warn you, because those of us who struggle with body image issues are going to be tempted to struggle in this way. Again, it's not a one and done. Friends, you might have to pray this prayer of confession every single day, at least for a season. Okay, it takes some time to start seeing all the different places in our lives where this idol may have crept in. Don't, don't expect yourself to just change everything overnight and to flip a switch and everything to be different. No, it's going to take some time and some effort to spot this idol and, and see the ways that you've allowed it to consume space and time in your life. Well, I always like to end the show with a couple reader questions. And the first reader question I thought fit really well with what we're talking about today. And it was really something that I struggled with for a long time too. So I was really happy to read this question. The question says, Dear Heather, I was also raised in a Christian home. And I always heard that verse in Psalms 139 that I was fearfully and wonderfully made. But the truth is it never helped me. Some women say that they read that verse and they feel better, that their body image issues seem to disappear. But for me, I read that verse and I still think God didn't make me good enough. Can you help? Oh boy, can I help? (laughs) Because I love this question because that was me too, you guys. I used to feel so guilty that that verse didn't just work instantly for me. In fact, when I was doing research for my book, I tried to read a lot of other resources out there on body image. And one book that I downloaded on Kindle it's actually an ebook on Kindle, and it was a collection of stories of women who had overcome body image issues. And I swear to you, like three of them were, I struggled, I had an eating disorder, I had this, I had that. But then I just opened up my Bible and I read, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and I felt all better. I mean, if I had been reading a real book, I would have thrown it across the room. I didn't want to do that to my iPad. But, oh, you guys, it frustrated me so much. It just didn't seem fair that that verse just didn't work like that for me. And you know what I came to realize later? I came to realize that that fearfully and wonderfully made verse will never serve my body image idol. Let me explain by fleshing it out a little bit more for you. Okay, so that verse in the Psalms, that verse we believe was spoken slash written by King David. 
And what do we know about King David? We know that he was a radical worshiper, okay? We know from earlier in scripture that he praised the Lord in the street one time to the point where he totally embarrassed his wife, Michael, because he was like Mr. Charismatic, like waving his hands, dancing before the Lord. David loved to worship God in a wild and loud way. And so what I think happens is we read that verse, and I think it's from Father of the Bride, where it's like, where I think Steve Martin says you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable or something that I, to that extent. But I think we read it with the wrong emphasis. So when we read that verse and make it about us, we read it like this. Lord, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Because I don't think that's how David intended that verse. You see, David, the radical worshiper, I believe he would have put the emphasis on God. I think he would have read the verse something more like this. Lord, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows them very well. You see, when we make fearfully and wonderfully made a self-esteem verse, a verse to pep ourselves up, a verse that's all about how awesome we are, I think it falls flat. Why? Because I don't think God's word is a self-esteem manual. I hope in a future podcast to be able to get into self-esteem and all of the just ridiculosity that's developed around it for the last 30 years. I can't do that on this episode, but self-esteem is a joke, friends. And more and more psychologists are coming out and saying, yeah, it's a joke that we've been duped by for 30 years and it's led to a lot more narcissists than we ever had before. You see, fearfully and wonderfully made is not a self-esteem verse. It's a verse that tells us that we were incredibly made by a creator who is incredible. It's not a verse about our awesomeness. It's a verse about his. And friends, you know, that's what, when we uncover body image idolatry, I think that's really where we have to come to is the point where we're not so much about ourselves being awesome, but we're about how awesome God is. Like that's where the freedom is. When we can take our minds our thoughts, our time, our money off of making ourselves awesome and make it about reflecting how awesome God is. Wow, there is real freedom there. So if that fearfully and wonderfully made verse hasn't worked for you, like our reader and like me, I think the reason is you've tried to make it about yourself. Read it again how David would have read it and make it a verse about God and just praise him in it. Thank him for making you but don't look to that verse to pull you out of body image idolatry. It really takes confession and everything we talked about today. One more question before we wrap up today. And the second reader question I have today is, oh, it's such a good one. How do I know when I've crossed the line from trying to live healthy and take care of my temple to body image idolatry? How do I know when I've gone too far? Oh, I love this question. So let's tackle this whole take care of your temple thing. Yes, we do have a responsibility to take care of the bodies that God has given us. But what's a temple used for? A temple is used for worship. And where I think this whole temple thing has gone astray in the Christian world is somewhere along the line, we've gotten the idea that our temples need to be hot and somehow that brings more glory to God. I don't know that that's true, but I'm saying that as one who as a kid would hear, take care of your temple and interpret it that way. I thought the prettier I was, the better that did for team God. Okay. It sounds ridiculous. I know, but some of you have thought it too. (laughs) But here's the truth. Do we worship temples? No, a temple is used for worship, not to be worshiped. And so if our goal is to 
attract worship to the temple, to draw worship to ourselves, to have people worship us. And I know that sounds far-fetched, but come on, friends, like we've all done it, where you've wanted, you've walked into church wanting to look good so people will notice. Maybe you've walked into that mom's group and you thought, you know what, I want to look good today. I want at least a couple people to tell me that I look nice. I put a lot of effort in here. Come on, someone give me props. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with putting effort into looking good or complimenting each other, edifying each other. Nothing wrong with that at all. But sometimes our hearts, they deceive us, right? And we want the worship for ourselves when our real purpose is to use our temples to worship and glorify God. So how do you know when you've crossed the line? I think we use that treasure principle from Matthew. And I write about this more in my book. You can read more about it there. And the book of Matthew, we get some principles for how to deal with money, right? You've probably heard the verse, the love of money is the root of all evil. Matthew, the treasure principle, talks about where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Okay, and so the concept as it applies to beauty and body image goes like this. Where is your treasure? Where does your time and your money and even your energy go? Okay, so if all of your time, money, and energy go to your nail appointments, your time at the gym, your new wardrobe, your diet foods, then you may have a treasure problem. If you are more likely to make it to the gym, to your, you know, six o'clock kickboxing class, but your attendance at your small group once a week is kind of spotty then maybe your treasure's misplaced. If you've got a hard time giving at church on Sunday mornings, but no problem paying $1,000 for a new fashion designer bag, then maybe your treasure's misplaced. I'm not saying that going to the gym or getting your nails done or buying a fashion bag, I'm not saying any of those things are wrong or bad. But if they come before ways that you should worship Jesus and really ways that you should serve your purpose in his kingdom, then you may have an idolatry problem. So I hope that's helpful. Um, a good litmus test is, has beauty become my treasure? You can ask yourself that. Are my thoughts more focused on what I look like than on how I can serve Jesus in his kingdom, then you may have a body image idolatry problem. Thanks for listening to today's show. I really hope that you'll check out all the great resources I have on compared to who.me about body image idolatry. You might find them helpful. There's a great post called Mindy's Story where Mindy, one of my former contributors to compared to who, talks about how she used to think she had a weight problem or a self-discipline problem. And really she discovers that no, she had a body image idolatry problem. And it's it's a great story. There's some other great posts on there too. Uh, one about worshiping calves. It's kind of fun. So I hope you'll go on comparedwho.me and read those posts. Also, send me your questions. You can connect with me on Compared to Who on Facebook, Compared to Who on Instagram, and through my blog. So send me questions that you'd like to see tackled in this podcast. I'd love to read them and answer them for you. Thanks for listening today. I hope you'll stay tuned for episode three coming up next. Hey, friend, would you check out the date on that episode you just listened to? Yeah, it's been a minute. Listening to old podcasts is almost like reading my diary from several years ago. In some cases, it's even a little embarrassing. So instead of listening straight through season by season, can I encourage you to skip ahead? I release brand new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. And if you're not sure where to start, you can go to improvebodyimage.com, find the Start Here button, and I've got several episodes listed and categorized so you can find the topics that are of most interest to you.
Your time is valuable, so skip straight to the good stuff. I'm glad you're here. Thanks for letting me be a part of your body image and food freedom journey. Looking for ways to stay positive? Brighten your day with the free story behind podcast. Hear weekly short stories that showcase true joy, love, and hope. Listen now at lifeaudio.com or by searching for Story Behind wherever you get your podcasts.